This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash, and on this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, and religion. Hollywood movies get their roots from silent films, but it was two men in Chicago who paved the way, and their influence is seen in everything we watch today. Silent films aren't so silent. The accompanying keyboard track in the black and white reveal a lot of colorful characters. The music is a very essential part of the experience. Thomas Edison invents motion pictures, but he's no artist. He refers to his kinetoscope as a mere toy of no commercial value. It would take imagination to transform an invention into movie magic. William Selig is that visionary who takes the concept of silent films and dares to do more. He did a lot of the firsts in film history that has kind of been forgotten. A former magician, he has more than a few tricks when he turns a new medium into a booming industry across the country. Everyone knows the Lumieres, they know Edison. They need to start knowing a Chicagoan who invented Hollywood named Selig. The World's Fair of 1893 in Chicago brings wonders to a massive audience. Thomas Edison is there to introduce movies to the world with his kinetoscope, but they are short, simple films. Still, people are captivated, especially William Selig. People watched 30 seconds of something in a tent at a carnival and wanted more. There were machine shops, metal shops, wood shops, set building, set design, wardrobe. Jeff Spitz is an associate professor at Columbia College. He saw the Lumieres had a camera that could be converted into a projector. I want that. I'm going to try to invent one like that. The Seelig Polyscope Company becomes the first movie studio in downtown Chicago. He goes by Colonel William Seelig, but he isn't really a colonel. He isn't even in the military. He started out as a vaudevillian, a magician, and had a uh, touring minstrel show. So it was kind of a stage name that he gave himself. But he was not a colonel, though. I mean, that's a little, definitely a piece of history, and there's a... Jeff Luke's father is Seelig's grandnephew. Jeff now collects photos and relics from Seelig's legacy. I was not really uh, aware of how big a deal he was, so yeah, now that I know all he did, I'm very proud of him. The Tramp and the Dog is among Seelig's first Chicago productions. It's less than two minutes long. A man steals a pie and tries to escape until a dog grabs him by the pants. It's a huge success. In 1910, Seeley becomes the first filmmaker to adapt The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. That was really at the point where I was like, oh my God, this guy was actually a lot bigger deal than I realized. It's one of many firsts that still inspires movies of today. Today, everyone watches cliffhangers. We're all streaming and binging cliffhangers. The very first one was made by Seeley. <laughs> Jay Warren accompanies the silent films playing a century after they're made. If you come across these cue sheets, they're absolutely hilarious. 
because they're titled, you know, Bad Guy Slams the Door. And then you play Bad Guy Slams the Door music for eight bars. At a time when computers make the magic, some people seem to appreciate this trip to the past. What we do is try and preserve the spirit of not only the film, but the music by doing authentic, historically correct accompaniment. Edison's patent company controls Seelig and several other studios. They all pay him an annual fee for his technology. Seelig and other studios eventually expand west. Actors like the weather, and filmmakers take advantage of landscapes for western films. In fact, Seelig pioneers shooting on remote locations, but sometimes those exotic places are really in a studio in Chicago. He's supposed to film Theodore Roosevelt's African Safari until Roosevelt changes his mind and brings someone else. Seelig worked his way around that by just basically hiring somebody that looked like Teddy Roosevelt and did a jungle hunting safari at the studio and didn't really explain that this actually wasn't Theodore Roosevelt. So everybody saw this film and thought, you know, it's Theodore Roosevelt when it wasn't. <laughs> so. Seelig keeps a collection of wild animals. He has so many, he opens a zoo. He built the first movie studio in Los Angeles. He's considered the first L.A. movie mogul. Creative differences lead to one of Seelig's actors leaving the company. Western star Gilbert Anderson joins George Spohr to create another Chicago film company, SNA Studios. Ellen Restus is part of the Spohr family. There were 13 kids in the family, and they all had a part in SNA as cameramen, as businessmen, as behind-the-screen actors. They're all involved. Spore and Anderson develop Bronco Billy and prove star power can build big business. When they're looking for comedians, they land the biggest of the time, Charlie Chaplin. As we all know now, the stars are what we all go to see. When Chaplin wants more money, Anderson is willing to give it to him, but Spore disagrees. And I don't think at the time that that my great uncle realized what Charlie Chaplin was going to become. I and mean, had he known that this was gonna be the golden goose later on, maybe he would have invested the money. SNA loses more stars. Some like Chaplin are done with Chicago weather. Although they cannot keep their empires going, Seelig and Spohr leave their marks on this new industry. These were two men that were trying to bring the movies alive. And they had two different focuses and yet they were both successful in different ways. One of the reasons for music to accompany silent films was not necessarily uh, follow the action, it was to disguise the sound of the projectors. all part of the illusion, but no movie magic can preserve these films. They are made of nitrate, which is dangerously flammable. That's why so many of these time capsules are lost over time. Only about 15% survive. 
One historic film made in Chicago was recently uncovered at the National Library of Norway. The 1898 film is called Something Good Negro Kiss. I had never seen anything like it. University of Chicago professor Allison Field helped identify the film after it was found. Probably the first screened kiss of black people uh, is also significant because it's remarkably uncaricatured. It's unlike anything in early cinema where we see representations of African Americans in racist degrading terms. Just like at the World's Fair, where crowds line up to look down at the moving pictures in Edison's kinetoscope, today we look down at moving pictures right in our own hands. When you're scrolling and watching TikTok, you're seeing the earliest of motion picture strategy and business unfolding once again for a new generation. Whatever's left of the magic can be found on the web. But to appreciate the full experience of film's early years, you can still find Jay Warren accompanying moving pictures, just as they did more than a century ago. Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online at WGNTV.com slash backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.